You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. We have an update from our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director for Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Dr. Heisey, welcome back to The Coffee Hour. Hello, Andy and Sarah. Always good to be with you. Usually we get a chance to chat online. This time you happen to be in studio here in St. Louis, and it's always great when we get to spend some time with you in studio learning about the thousands, maybe millions of resources that LHF <laughs> shares around the globe. Well, and um, this is where I actually get to do show and tell. Unfortunately, it is radio and I can't show, but I, I can talk about some of the books that I brought in to show people here today. Fantastic. And so we're, the work of LHF, for listeners maybe not familiar with what LHF does, what, what is the work of LHF today? Uh, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation is not a museum, as I had to once explain to someone. <laughs> the Lutheran Heritage Foundation translates publishes, distributes, and introduces books that are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Reformation-driven for the church worldwide. And we have been doing this since 1992 when Reverend Robert Ron founded LHF back in uh, the Detroit area. Uh, So now we uh, just celebrated our 31st birthday because our birthday is November 10th on Martin Luther's birthday. Oh, that's that's appropriate. Was that on purpose? Uh, Probably. (laughs) Um, that makes we can we can say it was on purpose. Sure. With all of the church partners that you work with around the world, what are some of the challenges that that these partners face on a day to day basis? Well, I mean, they're, they're we work in ninety six countries, so boy, that that this will take up our twenty five minutes <laughs> right there. I mean, some of the things that I've noticed, of course, more recently is 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 persecution, mm. and whether it's Finland where it is overt by the state attempting to tell people who are teaching from the Bible that marriage is between one man and one woman and calling that hate speech. I mean, that's pretty overt. But in other places, it becomes just very basic. They start throwing stones. And as I try to tell congregations as I go throughout the states, stoning did not stop with Paul and Stephen. Stoning occurs today in places like Somalia, in Burma around the world, too, when God's word is preached in its truth and purity, the Satan doesn't love that. And, and of course, then you will see persecution take place. So we do have a pastor who's, who needs to be moved right now because of persecution, because of death threats, literally. Mm-hmm. And so these are some of the things that we have to deal with as we work day by day with others. And, and in a way, it makes the Bible come even more alive to me because I realize a lot of things haven't changed. The mm-hmm. devil is still roaring like a like a lion seeking someone to devour. What does that mean then for resources for people in those in, in those parts of the world where pre- persecution is is likely? What does it mean for them to be able to carry around a, a resource like a Bible in their own language mm-hmm. or other great you know? supports for their faith. So for many of these people, I mean, of course, we do books, and and that would be very complicated in places like China and Iran. So we are exploring digital work and how that would look and what it can be done. And we have worked with a few of our books now where we can actually get those into people who could download it and then at least have it on some type of resource, a phone or or, or something else, 
But so in some of those more dangerous countries, that's a possibility. We also produce books that are smaller in size that you can just hide. And of course, now we have show and tell here. You can see this. <laughs> the folks on, on the radio can't, but I'm just putting one of those books in my pocket and covering it up. So you might have Luther's small catechism or Jesus never fails. And that is hidden now. So people can't see that. And I can carry it with me. Mm-hmm. A Bible would be more difficult, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Making resources in ways that will hopefully keep people from too much bodily harm is is quite important for you to be able to do work in, in a lot of other additional places. Yeah, and actually you had mentioned we were talking about Haiti, and, and that, of course, is now, you know, there are so many people in the LCMS who wherever we go in the States, we seem to find that there are people who made independent mission trips into Haiti. Mm. And a lot of that has ceased the last couple of years because of the violence my brother-in-law is, is from Port-au-Prince, and and he says you just you just can't get there nowadays. You don't want to. It's it's just too dangerous to go back there. And so I had the opportunity, my wife and I, to when she you know she's a new American citizen, Ukrainian now American. So we crossed the border this year into. Canada into Montreal for a French hymnal conference. I said, gee, honey, you want to go to a French hymnal conference? She she said, you take me to all the greatest places. (laughs) Uh, We went to Montreal and there we met Pastor Walter Claricius, who is a Lutheran pastor in Quebec City, professor of French at a local university and Haitian. And so Walta is now with the Lutheran Church Canada, beginning to do some really great work in his home country. It's very difficult to get there. His own home in Port-au-Prince, the capital, has been taken over by thieves and gangs. So, and he's, you know, the person who was watching it had to run for his life. So how can I get good Christian resources in? Well, we have this French hymnal that we worked with printing with the Lutheran Church Canada. And, and also being able to get other theological books in French or Haitian Creole. So we are trying to go into the center of the country through Capetian in the north, and apparently the center of the country is very peaceful. And so Walta has these connections to, you know, 5,000 school kids. And now with Lutheran Church Canada is, is conducting theological studies for 80 students online through Zoom conferences. So the interesting thing was, okay, how can we get them some of these French hymnals? Well, it's expensive to send it from Canada. Can you bring those back to Michigan and then maybe send them down? I said, sure. Okay, so we get in the car. We drive those nine hours from Montreal to Sarnia, which is just north mm-hmm. of Detroit, the Blue yeah. Water Bridge. Yeah. And I've got boxes. And so the lady says, what do you got there at the border? <laughs> and I said, I have French Lutheran hymnals. <laughs> Silence. You don't have any alcohol. You don't have any any drugs. <laughs> no, nothing like that. Just French hymnals. I got to call my superior on this. <laughs> so she calls her superior, apparently. So she says, now you understand, you know, you're bringing stuff in. I think once they had determined there was not a black market for French Lutheran hymnals <laughs> in America, I explained to them what the Lutheran Heritage Foundation does. I gave them my card and said, this is what we do. And we're going to send these from the States to Haiti because they really need these resources and it's much less expensive to send from the States. And so that was our, our, our road trip story as we brought French Lutheran <laughs> hymnals into America. Not secretly, but openly. <laughs> 
Well, I'm glad you were able to make it across the border, smuggling yes. in those French Lutheran <laughs> Exactly. Hymnals. Not quite like Brother Andrew, you know, in Eastern <laughs> Europe back in the communist times, but... <laughs> And, and so those hymnals will certainly be useful in Haiti and they will, will. They, and, and other parts of the world well, as well? Well, actually, yeah, at this French Lutheran uh, conference there in Montreal, there were people from the Democratic Republic of Congo. So they were taking back some of these hymnals as well. And so you have French-speaking West Africa, Central Africa, France, of course, mm-hmm. and, and, and Quebec, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Montreal, French-speaking. So uh, with Haiti as well, I mean, you can just imagine all the possibilities here. So now after kind of working through the Spanish hymnal, this is Mm. a little smaller, as you can see here. This wasn't as difficult. And Pastor David Summers did great work in in helping compile this and put it together. So we printed it and really excited about the possibilities for Haiti because there are opportunities through some LCMS groups who are feeding uh, Christian children in Christian schools in Haiti. And he says, we, you know, we've got the physical food. We, we actually produce it there in Haiti. We don't want to import anything. Uh, but we sure could use a lot of the good books, the children's Bible story books, the uh, catechisms that you have. And so now we are bringing those in and uh, looking for more and more ways to do that. We're, we're talking about partnering with the Florida, Georgia district and the mission director, Peter Meyer, Pastor Peter Meyer, about how we can do this. And, and the road is open. We found an open road in a very troubled country that really needs to hear the message of Jesus. Last time we spoke, I think, at the LCMS convention this summer, we got an update on some of the the things going on in Sudan, South Sudan, and with our partners there as well. Any more updates for us on what's happening with our our partners in South Sudan, Sudan? Well, they they are continuing. Uh, I I should say, too, you know, with with the turmoil that was there in the north, the northern country of Sudan, because it is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan, Sudan. So up in Khartoum in the north, you, you, there were Lutheran congregations that have, have undergone some persecution. Some of those people have filtered down into South Sudan. So they are taking in refugees, something they've been accustomed to do for some time. But we do work a seminary there, have been doing that for well over 20 years. And the recent class has sent out its vicars. So just last week, they completed their studies for this time. They are now scattering out to many different places to actually do their vicarage year. And the church itself now, an LCMS partner church, is is having its church convention with Bishop Peter Anabadi, who's working on a Ph.D. in missiology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. I should also mention that Orphan Grain Train has sent a shipment. It is working its way up from Mombasa in Kenya to South Sudan. And my colleague Jeff Ron, his dad, and I were able to actually participate in the Orphan Grain Train shipment, which was in Sebawing. And I know Sarah knows this, being a Michigander. I do. Not a Michiganian, a Michigander. <laughs> she she knows Sebawing is up in the Thumb area. I do. And so we were able to actually bring a lot of things, including a boat. <laughs> Don't ask the whole story behind that. But somebody <laughs> donated a boat, and they do That's have lakes there. So uh, that will be uh, something that the church can use for mission to go to other places, this boat in South Sudan. And so we were able to get theological books as well as, you know, humanitarian aid and a lot of clothing to a country that is always suffering famine, warfare, tribal warfare, and uh, hunger. So 
We're learning about the Lord's work with our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation today. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of Lutheran Heritage Foundation, with a lot of great updates about things that have been happening, all the places that you're working currently around the world. And I know you have new Mayan resources. Is that right? What's you know, the story I, behind those? Yeah, there, I mean, there's always a story behind these <laughs> things. You know, we, we were... Uh, one of our, our deployed workers, Pastor Mark Moss, who is one of our friend raisers, was out in Oregon, and he made a connection to Pastor Roberto Ecchia, who is with Latino Ministries there in Portland, and Roberto is actually a Mayan speaker. Hmm. So first question, of course, is Mayan. Okay, I, I, I did have some history of Mexico. There, there was the Mayan civilization and culture. Is there a language? other than Spanish, that people speak today. And he said, yes, in Yucatan, in the Yucatan Peninsula, where he is from. And there are many other Mayan speakers in in Oregon right now. And so he says, I'm going to do an evangelistic outreach, and I need something. I looked at your Jesus Never Fails. I want to translate that. And we said, have at it. Go to it. He, he, he just went right to it, got that done, and printed it and was able to distribute that at this evangelistic outreach in August. And so he said, now I'm ready to move on to the catechism. And he said, <laughs> okay, how do we do this? We need to find, you know, maybe because what he wants to do is a side-by-side Spanish and Mayan because many of the Mayan speakers there, they may understand the language spoken, but maybe not written so much. But they do, of course, know some Spanish. Other Mayans don't know Spanish. So can we do a side-by-side? Well, we've done this in Chinese. We have a Chinese-English catechism side-by-side, which is really helpful for uh, a lot of people who, pastors who want to work with Chinese speakers, and then they can follow along and say, this is where I am on this page, and they'll They'll be able to help evangelize somebody and teach them the Christian faith. So he is very eager to do this. We looked up uh, Pastor Professor Marco Kempf from uh, Concordia St. Louis, now kind of retired, but Marco has found a 1579 Spanish translation of the small catechism. Hmm. This is in public domain, folks, when we were talking <laughs> 1579. But, of course, the language uh, is quite archaic. And so Roberto says, I think I can massage this and and, and get this into a more understandable Spanish. So we're kind of working on that right now. And he would love to do outreach because he still has family in the Yucatan Peninsula as well. So, I mean, when you go into some of these places, you know, we've talked to Pastor Ted Cray, the regional director for Office of International Mission for Latin America, and Pastor Cray has told us about, you know, there in Bolivia, there was this other language. Uh, 
Now I'm drawing a blank on it. It starts with a Q. Chichawa, I believe it was. Mm. Not Chichawa, but Chichawa. And so he said the people in the Andes mountain region speak this language. Mm -hmm. And so can we do a catechism in that language? Yes, we can do that. We're also looking with missionary Michael Wildauer there in Belize, who also has another local language group. So, I mean, this is something we thought that we do a lot in, in Africa because there are so many different local dialects in Kenya. You know, we're doing 10, 15, 20 different languages. Ethiopia, close to 15 now. I didn't expect that in the Spanish-speaking world of Latin America, but this is now something we've been made aware of. And so, once again, preach the gospel in as many languages as you can so that the people can understand it in their heart language, as Luther would have loved. Mm-hmm. So we, we've covered a few corners of the world. Let's head to Finland. Last yeah. This past summer, we also had a chance to catch up with our partners in Finland and some of the, the persecution they were facing. You mentioned a little bit about that. You referenced a little bit of that earlier. Any updates from them? Yeah, the update was from about a week ago. The Finnish courts ruled in their favor once again. They, the hate speech charge that was brought against them was dropped. They were acquitted. There will be, I understand, perhaps a, an appeal to the state Supreme Court and the prosecutor, the state prosecutor, has until mid-January to bring those charges again. But talking to Bishop Poyala, he was fairly convinced that now they have defeated it twice. And, and basically the judge said, this is a religious matter. This has, you know, this has nothing to do with us. You know, go settle it yourselves in certain ways. You know, in, in other words, don't bring this frivolous case to me again. So we're hopeful that's going to be, you know, the final answer. So far, you know, they're very thankful. We're very grateful. I know we've all been praying about that, especially I think most people who met them at the LCMS convention this summer in Milwaukee were 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 quite taken by their humility. They're, they're quiet witness. And, and Bishop Poyala, I had not met Dr. Paivirasanen until this, this summer. And it's always an interesting pair. Johanna's about six foot five and <laughs> Paivi's, well, Paivi's little. <laughs> but the, these, these two have been, you know, all the way back to 2004 when they wrote this pamphlet and finished and we printed it in 2004. And hate speech charges were brought in 2019 retroactively. Not just us, but of course, all of Europe, Christian Europe has been been following this case closely because this is a you know bellwether case. How is the state going to decide? And it's been a great opportunity as we've talked to some of our Finnish Lutherans who've said, you don't realize how many people just don't know what the church teaches about marriage. And so in a, in a winning way, this is, the, this, is, this is what the Bible teaches. This is what we understand, marriage between one man and one woman. And, and we basically just proclaim what God's Word says. And there will be people, obviously, who will call it hate speech. But we know that many other people are beginning to say, this is intriguing. This interests me because I don't hear this because the state church really doesn't teach that anymore. And uh, so, you know, when we give that witness as they do boldly, and yet, as Peter would say in, in his epistle, in a winning, humble way about the hope that is within us, it is going to fall on fertile soil as well. And so this has been, I think, a great opportunity. They have had atheists uh, defend them a la Voltaire. You know, I may, not be, uh, defend, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Mm. And so, you know, atheists have actually 
been on their side, which has been, I think, an intriguing set of bedfellows there. Lutherans and atheists kind of in defense of free speech. So it's it's an interesting case. Probably we're going to hear more of this, we know, in the future. And yet I think it shows us a path forward that we do not cower in fear. We do not dilute the word of God. We just boldly proclaim it in a humble, straightforward way and say that, you know, God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And and he wants you to live life more fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been an interesting case to stay on top of. And I'm sure we'll, we'll keep yeah. on top of it with the appeal happening you said, yes. in, in yeah. January. So, so please keep them in your prayers. Yes, yes absolutely. Moving, moving a little bit further away into Siberia, there's... Yeah. You mentioned Chinese books. In yeah, Siberia. you know, when I was a missionary, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think <laughs> when I was a missionary, how many years ago was that? Now it's, I've been at LHF nine and a half years. So I've been, maybe, I think maybe it was 14 years ago. I was out in Siberia in Ulan Ude, right near Lake Baikal. And there's a Lutheran congregation. It's a Buddhist area, interestingly enough, because the Buryat people, who are linguistic cousins of the Mongols, who are just south of the border there of this region. Buddhism is basically the religion in that area. and But Chinese have been coming in in larger numbers. And the Lutheran congregation has been faithful in its witness. And now there is a Chinese congregation forming within the Lutheran Church. And so we got the request from a recent graduate of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Ingria Seminary, where I used to teach. And Alexander asked me, he said, I need Chinese materials. And I said, oh, good. Where are you, Alexander? I'm in Siberia. <laughs> uh, why not? Yeah, I know because I did see I did see many Chinese there when I was in Siberia 14 years ago. Okay. So our Ted Nathalong, who manages our work in Southeast Asia, said, you want what? And, and, and where? <laughs> and how should we write this? I said, okay, I'll write the Russian. He just said, I'm putting it in English. Okay. Here's the English. And so they are on their way to Siberia. The book's from Bangkok going to Ulan Ude in Siberia. And there's a real hope for evangelistic outreach to many Chinese who are very open to the gospel, not in their native China, where it would be a little bit more difficult and persecution might rear its ugly head, but in Russia where there is freedom of religion. Mm -hmm. Hmm. All right. Let's go back to Africa. I think we have one more story. We'll, we'll squeeze in this morning the What About series. Yeah, this is, we've just been meeting with Pastor Kevin Robson of, of, of World Missions, and we were able to give him copies of the What About series, which we've had printed in many different African languages, some in, compiled into a big booklet, but others in individual pamphlets. And the whole story, story started a couple of years ago in Malawi. We got a request from a, a guy said, you know, he's an evangelical pastor, and he had read this What About series, and his country, Malawi, was going to pass a more liberal abortion law. And he said, I like so much what you taught there from the Bible about abortion. I want to translate this into Chichawa. So not Quechua. Quechua was the other one, I think. That was it. So that was Bolivia. Now, Malawi, Chichawa. And he said, okay, have at it. And he did. And now he says, now I want to translate your children's Bible story book. I want to translate your your catechism. So, you know, these are the interesting thing is that, you know, when you know Africa, uh, Christianity has expanded so greatly there, but a lot of it's Pentecostalism. And after a while, you know, people are looking for deeper meat and they get that from a good, solid, thorough understanding of the scriptures. 
And uh, we believe that in the Lutheran Church, that that's what we teach there. So people are, are all of a sudden discovering a lot of the Lutheran confessions that we hold so dear and want it translated into their own language. And so that started this whole request for the What About series. Dorothy Kranz was very gracious to help us in getting the copyright, because that's a copyright of Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. Dr. Al Berry in the 1990s yeah. wrote these pamphlets, and now they're being translated into many different African languages, many languages of Kenya, in which we're working now as well. Wow. Great resources all around the, the globe in people's heart languages. How can we continue to learn more about LHF and the work that that Lutheran Heritage Foundation is doing around the globe? You can go to our our website at lhfmissions.org, and there you will be able to see um, all the things that we've published as well as stories that I'm sharing and and also uh, ways in which you can support us and support the work of the Lutheran uh, uh, Heritage Foundation, including uh, projects that we're working on right now and some that need funding. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you so much for sharing these great stories with us today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.